So you were committed to a church. That's great. But how do you navigate the complexities of life when most of the challenging moments happen outside of your church gatherings? We need each other more than once a week. It's time to go the second mile and persevering through presence. Hey, this is Travis Agnew. Thank you for joining me for the Second Mile Podcast, where we seek to live out the words of Jesus from Matthew 5:41, where he says, if anyone asks you or forces you to go one mile, go the second mile as well. As we follow Jesus, we want to go as uh, close to him as we possibly can and not just do the bare minimum. He is too great of a master to give mediocre efforts. And so as we're talking about what does it mean to be the church in the context of 2021, especially as it relates to those smaller groups, whether you call them small groups, Sunday school classes, gospel groups, discipleship groups, whatever they may be, those groups of people that you really are known and you get to know people, uh, this is how we really persevere of encouraging one another. We've been talking about some values for your small group that are very important. We've talked about the authority of God's Word to make sure that you're doing more than just man's opinion. We've talked about the maturity of the leadership that you have to make sure that there are people that are uh, really pouring into you that are growing themselves. We've talked about authenticity, that it should be a place where you can be real and not be judged, but you can come in with your successes and failures. And we've also talked about what does it mean to have accountability so that when you say, hey, I want to do better, there's actually some type of framework for people to help you. These couple weeks, we are looking at the uh, value of availability. And that is so important because as we're going to talk today is about persevering through presence. And that means that your presence is needed in the lives of people. Uh, And yet sometimes we want to microwave these relationships within a small group and just feel like, well, I'm there for an hour a week. So obviously we should uh, be really close, really quick. And that doesn't happen in any context. It takes a while. But also know this, your greatest temptations probably won't happen while you meet with your group. Uh, Some of your greatest anxieties flaring up probably won't happen when you're at church. Life happens a lot of times uh, when in very difficult ways when you leave the church campus rather than when you come on to it. And so while this may seem like for some of you that feel like, oh, no, here's another thing that I'm required to do. And this is just saying that you want to prioritize that if you are saying you commit to a group, that you actually have some type of relational capacity for these people more than one hour a week. So that if you meet on Wednesday night, that if something happens on Friday morning, you're not just saying, well, I'll see you next Wednesday. We can talk about it then. But do you have the framework where you can persevere and actually be present in one another's lives in such a way that your presence encourages one another when life's uh, high moments, but also the low moments, that you're available for one another? Because guess what? We all need each other. So we talk about persevering through presence and this value of availability as it comes to your small groups. The first mile believers, those who do just the bare minimum, will have this kind of phrase where, you know what, uh, that you're saying that you'll be there if they need you, right? So if something's happening in your group and someone gives a prayer request and then says that it's going to be really hard this day and you say, hey, I'll be there if you need me. Well, that's good. But there's a lot of us, honestly, that feel like, you know what, I'm not going to bother anybody because everybody's got their own stuff going on, right? Everybody's got their own issues, their own struggles, and everybody's busy. And so if you tell me that you'll be there if I need you, uh, I'm really thinking, well, I'm not going to call. Personally, I'm one of these people that just really has a hard time asking anybody for help or just feeling like, you know what, I'm deserving of anybody sort of stopping what they're doing to come alongside and help me. So just saying that you'll be there if they need you like that, that's great and that's important because some people will ask for help. 
But second mile believers just decide that they're going to be there because that those people do need you. That you make an effort, you make an attempt to be able to say, I'm with you. If you told me this was happening on Friday morning, I'm going to either check on you. I'm going to come visit you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to text you. I'll go with you to the appointment if, if you need me to. I will pray outside the room while it's going on if you need me to. I'm going to be available through you because, folks, we need each other. The most challenging moments in your life will most likely happen outside the time your group meets. And so if that's the reality, is that when life hits, your your marriage struggles, your kids disobey, your job is stressful, anxiety hits, uh, there's um, a bad um, diagnosis from a doctor, there's bad news that you get from somewhere place else, typically sometimes it'll happen within a group gathering, but most likely it doesn't. And so this is a, a time when you, when you find out there there's needs that you're saying, hey, I'm willing to go with you. So I know that each of us, we have those people in our lives where we say, you know what, if I was going through something, you would call on those people or you feel like you could call upon them. The difference that will happen is that the church becomes more than just something you attend, is it actually becomes a family that you belong, is that your short list, your your quick calls, right, your speed dial kind of moments are those people that are within the church that you were saying, these are people that I'm doing life with. And so what happens that can transform in your life is that if you feel like you don't have the deep relationships within the church, it might be because, once again, you're on a roster, but you're not in relationships with them. And so for you to be able to say, how can we learn to care for one another? So one of the things that unfortunately can happen is that we really don't have the time for it because some of the reasons might be like what Philippians chapter 2 verse 4. Paul says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. It's very easy for me to want to go, you know what, I've got so much stuff going on that I'm not going to think about your needs. But deep down as a follower of Jesus Christ, who even sometimes he would have needs, he found out that his cousin had been killed and he wanted to go and take some time away from the crowds and the crowds followed him. And you know what he didn't do at that time? He didn't say, hey, I need some me time. Please get away from your needs. He he took a deep breath and he got back involved. You know what? Because he's putting others' needs ahead of theirs. And and we're supposed to do that as well. Philippians, the next verse says, Philippians 2, 5 says, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. So we learn how to love one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Just to make sure you understand that when that word was given to the Thessalonian church, they didn't have text message. They didn't have Facebook Messenger. To encourage one another and build one another up meant that they actually had to be in the room with one another to do so. They're taking the time to be in each other's presence and spend time. We read about in the early church in Acts chapter 2 where they were together day by day. Why? Because life is difficult and they know that they need each other. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says it this way, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And this is where it happens, that we start persevering through presence when it's not just saying, hey, I'll pray for you, or if you need me, I'll be there. It's going, no, I'm going to be there. Do you have a need? Can I? How can I love you, not just in word or talk, but I actually want to love you in deed and truth. And that means that I'm going to be present with you when life happens. I will be near to you.
think one of the most incredible parts in the Bible that started very well but ended, ended very tragically. Uh, if you've ever read the book of Job, you know that Job had uh, just horrific things that happened to him in his life, and he really wasn't at fault for them. These weren't consequences for his decisions. Uh, it just life was hard, and there was a cosmic battle going on that he didn't know that he was kind of the centerpiece of. And so he had a bad day that just continued to get worse. His wife came alongside and just said, you know what, the best thing for you to do would be to curse God and die. Probably not the best support system, right? But at the end of Job chapter 2, after all these horrible things have happened, in verse number 11, it says this, Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they each came from his own place, Eliphaz the Timonite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Nemethite. They made an appointment together, so they put it on the calendar, folks, to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. Did you get that? They made an appointment. They put a gathering together. We're going to go do this. We're going to go meet with him. We are going to show him. It's going to be actually present. Show him sympathy and comfort him when we have to be near him to do that. Verse 12 says, And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads towards heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him. For they saw that his suffering was very great. Now, if you know the rest of this story, these guys didn't finish well. They started opening their mouth and they really started giving advice of which they didn't know exactly what was going on. But at least I just want to freeze them right here, right? Because this is one of the most beautiful passages that you can ever really read about what does it mean to be with people? Is that when you hear someone is suffering, when life is hard, you persevere with them through your presence. And this is exactly what these guys did. They didn't speak a word. They made an appointment. They decided they were going to sit down and they were going to be with him. And when they saw him, they wept with him. And they didn't feel like they needed to explain it away or give him a five-point plan on how to get out of it. They just were there with him, that they were reminded that they weren't alone. It's kind of like you. You might have ever heard someone was praying for you, but something takes place when someone actually puts a hand on a shoulder and when they're praying for you. It almost sometimes just melts us away. Why? Because it's a reminder, a physical reminder, we're not alone. Someone is actually here with me. You know, one of the things that I um, I really just hate when it happens in a church is that sometimes different generations will criticize other generations for the way that they do or don't do things. And, and a lot of times, younger generations will speak to older generations that when they get together in their classes or groups, they really don't share life together. And I think what they mean by that is that typically in a lot of older generations, uh, smaller groups or Sunday school classes, typically it's more of a lecture style teaching. Someone will teach and people will listen and they'll take notes and there might be a little bit of interaction. But the younger generations say, well, we actually interact. We actually talk. But one of the things that I think we can learn from each other, I do think there's a lot to learn from the authenticity and vulnerability of the younger generations. But one of the things that I notice in our church that's beautiful when we have actually cross-generational groups is that you'll see that authenticity verbally from people, but I will see some of the most incredible ministry ever take place in the way that when senior adults see that other people struggle, at least in our church, that they come alongside with. They're going to cook a meal. They're going to go visit. They're going to go be with you to the hospital. They'll take you to the doctor's appointment because they know this gift of presence and what it can be for people. Folks, I think we have a lot to learn from every generation, but I am saying this. There is something so needed and so tangible about not just saying, I'm going to be there for you if you need me, but actually saying, 
I'm going to be there with you. I'm picking you up. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to, I'm going to be down and crying with you. I'll, I will hug you through this. I'll walk with you through this. You're not going to go to that doctor's visit alone. You're not going to go to that counseling appointment alone. I'm going to be here with you. And folks, that's what we desperately need in our own lives is to be able to persevere through presence, to be able to walk through. And you don't have to be alone. Be available for the people in your small group and see how your life can transform as you need each other. I hope to see you on the second mile.